Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane. You can find me on Twitter at TheRealMarkLane. And Sean Martin, my good buddy. How you doing this weekend? Hey, man. Good to be back with you. I'm doing about as well as a Cowboys team that will get to face Tom Brady again with a career 0-6 record against him. Well, yeah, maybe they could make put a dent in it. Where can they find you on Twitter? I am at Sean Martin NFL. Come on in. Uh, join the ride. Yeah, and then they can tell you why it'll be 0-7 or 1-6. Uh, we get, we get plenty of that, know. so yeah. Yeah, they could crack that goose egg. It's kind of a full circle thing if you think about it when it comes to, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but the story of the 2021 Cowboys ended up being underperforming and not beating good teams, right? And, you know, like I said, we didn't know it at the time, but I guess it all started in week one. I mean, it's hard to say the expectation was that you were going to go beat Tom Brady in Tampa Bay in week one. But nonetheless, it was one of those close games where you still had a chance. Um, you could have beaten him, but you didn't. And that you know that continued all the way until the end of the year, unfortunately. Yeah, but I feel like in that particular case, Dallas was going toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay. They weren't shooting themselves in the foot, albeit Greg Zerline's missed kicks played a part in it. Nevertheless, it took the same old Brady heroics for Tampa Bay to get a win compared to, say, week 17 against the Arizona Cardinals where Dallas just couldn't get out of their own way or in the playoff game. They just, you know, had to get over it, and then they mounted together some success, but by then it was too late. But, yeah, there were some signs in week one. But, yeah, they'll get a chance for redemption. Let's go conspiracy theorists for a second. What do you think is the real reason Brady could only stay retired for 40 days other than just being a superhuman robot like built in a lab, greatest quarterback of all time? 40 days? That's biblical. (laughs) I mean, you know, because of the 40 days. I think he couldn't stay retired because when he found out Michael Gallup signed his contract with the Cowboys – he had to steal the the glory from Michael Gallup. He had to steal the headlines from him. That's my conspiracy theory. Yeah, that didn't last at all. I mean, you know, there's also Cowboys fans kind of not very excited about Gallup, and we're going to get way more into that. But nonetheless, you know, Michael Gallup's a player that's had a lot of, a lot of success here, and I do think you should be excited to have him back, of course, and on a good deal at that. And nope, greatest quarterback of all time has to break the headlines and take away our joy once again. Right. And Gallup, he signs a five-year deal 
worth $62.5 million uh, with $27 million of it guaranteed and a $10 million signing bonus. What were your impressions when you heard those numbers, Sean? Well, my initial impression was that I was kind of pleasantly surprised because the first receiver domino to fall this offseason that we saw recently was Christian Kirk getting about $15 million a year. So that with that, it kind of set the market to a point where you know you thought it was going to get exponentially more difficult for the Cowboys to get a number like they just did on Gallup. And then he gained all the leverage in the world on Stephen and Jerry Jones when you know Amari Cooper got traded away to Cleveland, of course. And the same is going to go for Dalton Schultz, who's playing under the franchise tag right now. So you know the fact that they got this deal done with about $10 million in guarantees, and if you look at the structure of it, or you know, if you follow the right people to break down the structure for you, because that's far from my area of expertise, it really builds out as like a two-year type of deal, which is exactly kind of what the Cowboys are looking at in terms of where the stability is going to be a receiver. They're kind of going into a year right now where, you know, if they don't add a guy early on in the draft, it's going to be a see-what-you-have type of year. You trust Michael Gallup. That's why you just paid him. You're expecting C.D. Lavin to maybe be a wide receiver one. But if neither of those things happen, then you really need to take inventory, know that you still have them under contract, and continue to build around them even further. And that's what this deal is going to allow them to do, while you still also work on maybe a guy like Cedric Wilson or Malik Turner. Do you think that they mortgaged their future with this particular contract? No, I don't think so. You know, Again, I think they're committed to a way of offense that Gallup really fits. Now there's a much bigger argument to be had about is that the right commitment to the offense? Do you have the right coaches in place, you know, to be running the offense they're running and be successful with it? And that's something that only Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are gonna be able to answer, you know, once games start really. You know, training camp is kinda of is what it is type of deal with this with with this team because there's not gonna be, you know, an overwhelming amount of new faces, right? It's gonna be some rookies trying to make the field and they definitely need some draft picks to make the field this year, right? And then beyond that, it's kind of guys we're pretty familiar familiar with just trying to execute and you know take another step up and go compete in, in an NFC that is going to have your familiar faces back with Brady and Rodgers and all that. So, no, I think the Cowboys' future is firmly you know, somewhere where they've been recently in that kind of second tier of NFC teams. And what's going to get them over the top would be one of these players like Gallup you know, kind of, I wouldn't say outperforming his contract because it is a big contract. It's a big deal that he got five years, but you know, just playing up to every dollar that he's uh, he's made and he's earned because that's kind of been a thing around here in terms of players on new contracts immediately disappointing a little bit as soon as the ink is on the page. Yeah, I don't think that Gallup's a guy that is going to disappoint in that aspect. With Gallup, it has been the availability. It's been the injuries. That's the only thing that's hampered him. When he's been out on the field, he's been consistent. Now, you mentioned that there's a potential out after the second year, correct, in in your reading of it? Right. I believe uh, Jeffrey Kavanaugh from his, his YouTube channel and formerly of 105 Freedom Fan uh, was the, one of the first I saw talking about that being the way it's structured. I like how you call him Jeffrey Kavanaugh. Now that you know he's on his YouTube channels, as opposed to Jeff Kavanaugh, how we all knew him when he was at the fan. Now he's Jeffrey Kavanaugh. Anyway, 
that's an aside. Uh, but so think about it this way: you have the two year, the potential out after year two. Then that would mean that Dallas would have to make a decision between Gallup and re-signing C.D. Lamb or picking up the fifth-year option on C.D. Lamb. So they could have this same decision at receiver involving Gallup, incidentally, uh, that they had this offseason between Cooper and Gallup. Well, I'll tell you what, what won't really matter when it comes to, you know, those receiver decisions they still have this offseason and then also, you know, down the line like you're forecasting. I'll tell you what you're about to learn that's much more important. You're about to find out if this team, if Dak Prescott can really elevate the talent around him. You know, they've been challenging him to do that. Some of it's been fair and a lot of it's been unfair in terms of, you know, okay, here you go with Alan Hearns as your wide receiver one and all that, right? And that's what led to trading for Amari Cooper, and now you're in a situation where you no longer have Amari Cooper. So you're about to find out, though, with you know, a guy like Lamb, a guy like Gallup, a lot of concerns and question marks for different reasons with both players, if Prescott can be the guy that elevates them. And then, you know, Jerry, you know, said himself, his hands don't cramp writing checks, and the cap situation is hopefully going to get a lot clearer and more optimistic for this team in the years to come now you're going to find a way to surround Dak Prescott with talent if he's elevating that talent. But it's kind of at a stagnant point right now at receiver for the Cowboys where you sure don't feel great about it. The pass offense is the best way, usually from year to year, to predict which teams are going to stay relevant and stay good atop the NFC, right? And I already mentioned Brady and Rodgers. You know what those guys are going to do back there in the pocket, throwing to almost anybody. So where does Prescott fall, not just against NFC East opponents where he might rack up you know, 12 wins again because of that, but can he go do it with these guys when it really matters? And that's exactly what we're about to find out. Well, what's interesting about Prescott in that 2018 season before they traded for Amari Cooper was that might have been the only time uh, that, I mean, that any Cowboys quarterback going back to Quincy Carter, I think, just really didn't have any weapons. And even Quincy had some weapons because they had Joey Galloway and then in 2 Antonio Bryant. But what I mean by that is someone who was proven, who was an, just a number one on the field, because Romo always had Witten. And in those first seven games without Amari Cooper – Dak didn't even have Witten, even though he's old and he retired. But he really didn't have anybody to throw to that was a number one that was proven. So I think th- that situation that he was in, it's just so – you can't really compare it to anything that his predecessor went through um, or really anything that he's faced since then. I don't know that it'll, that those first seven games will be uh, – I, I don't think there'll be a repeat of that is what I'm trying to say because those were exceptional circumstances. And I think he will benefit from having guys like Lamb uh, and if they can – if Gallup can stay on the field because he's a more mature Michael Gallup um, and – I think I I don't know that Dallas will have to worry so much about um, Prescott regressing. I mean, obviously it helps when you have 
Amari Cooper out there, but I don't think that Dak's going to take a real big regression by not having uh, Amari Cooper and staking everything on Gallup and Lamb. So I did two articles this week on the front page of bloggingtheboys.com, split by offense and defense looking at this team. And the theme of the articles was basically where can the Cowboys get the best value at each of these positions across the entire roster? Um, just thinking with the 24th overall pick, because we've talked about before the kind of recurring theme of any draft talk on this team has been you, you pitch a guy at 24 and somebody immediately jumps in like, oh, well, but I like who I can get in the second round at that position instead or the third because that's just that type of draft class. But, you know, the truth is you better get somebody at 24 and it better be someone ready to contribute because we all know what Parsons did this past year and he was your first rounder and, you know, you want to stay on that type of path, right, with the talent you're bringing in. So I went into these articles, you're not really knowing exactly what I was going to write for each position, right? And I'm going down it and, Man, it's hard to talk, at least for me right now, it's hard to talk anywhere but offensive line for this team. I mean, every other position I'm writing about, I'm like, eh, it's hard to justify the pick and the talent might not be there, the board's not going to fall, all these things as we get much closer to the draft now. But offensive line is the one where it's like, yeah, you can definitely see a need and it will definitely help you out. And if you squint hard enough at what they're doing this offseason, you want to take the most, probably the most glass half full take that I've given in the history of this podcast. But if you squint hard enough, the offseason is coming together now with the Gallup news. It is coming together to the point where you'd feel good enough about the roster where if a best player available is an offensive lineman, you're going to go that route. You know, they have options to patch up these other positions where they really need the help so that you can take that offensive lineman. And then from there, it falls into exactly what you said. You know, you don't think you're going to see a regression from Prescott because he'll have reinforcements on the line. He'll have the talent at receiver, not only Gallup and Lamb, but speaking of second and third round names that I like, I think a lot of those names are receivers and maybe a tight end or two. Dalton Soltz on the franchise tag. And you know the list goes on in terms of you're not going to convince anybody this is the best roster in the NFC, but it's they're putting themselves in position to pretty much be where they were last year. And that's a tough sell in the NFL because regression just comes for everybody. But I think we would take that just given you know the state of the rest of the NFC East and all that, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, there was a lot of turnover fortune, a lot of takeaway fortune that uh, Dallas benefited from. And if they have a regression towards the mean with that, then, you know, you may still win the East, but uh, like I said, you you may also be looking at one of those consolation wild card spots. But uh, the Michael Gallup deal, they they signed him. They get five years, sixty two point five million dollars, and now they've they're saying he's the guy. They picked Gallup at the fork in the road. They went with Gallup over Amari Cooper. So. What do you think, Sean? Do you think that the Cowboys got four good years from Amari Cooper, given that they spent that first-round pick? So there's so many angles to look at this from. Obviously, the Cowboys themselves, you know, you're you the guy who has the encyclopedia of quotes from this team. You can pull tons of quotes on Stephen Jones and everybody from the Cowboys talking about how, of course, Amari was effectively your 2019 first-round pick because that's what you gave up to acquire him. 
uh, in the middle of the season now. So, you know, so many ways to look at it in terms of, of course, I think the most logical starting point is, well, who else got drafted at wide receiver in the first round in 2019? Not that the Cowboys could really wait, and that's what makes this interesting, is that they backed themselves so hard into the corner where they needed a guy like Amari Cooper that almost any name I'm about to mention, you have to put an asterisk next to it. It's like, man, I'd sure like to have him on my team, but he took some time to develop, like all players do, especially receivers, right? And you couldn't have had him at the point where you added Cooper. So the 2019 first-round receivers were Marquise Brown um, was the only one. And just this past season, did he really put up any production that was similar to what Amari Cooper did throughout his four seasons in Dallas. He had 91 catches, just over 1,000 yards, and his career touchdown uh, production has been pretty much on par with what Cooper did during his time in Dallas as well. So, you know, that's a guy that you kind of flip a coin with. I do think comfortably, though, you would take Amari Cooper over Marquise Brown. But then you look at who else went in that draft, and here's where I think you start turning towards this upcoming draft as far as getting optimistic about what Dallas might be able to do now that you have your top two receivers in place. And you got names like Hunter Renfro, Terry McLaurin, who's in, in the division with the Commanders, DK Metcalf, of course. I think Cowboys fans would be more than thrilled to have him. Nicole Hardman, you, know, you can make an argument. How much is he a product of Patrick Mahomes there in Kansas City, but a nice player. A.J. Brown and then Debu Samuel, who is fresh in the minds of Cowboys fans after what he did to the Dan Quinn's defense in that wild card round. And then just looking forward a little bit, you got your 2020 first-round receivers, Henry Ruggs, uh, Jerry, and then beyond that, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk throughout that draft. 2021, Jamar Chase went to the Super Bowl for the Bengals, took the league by storm, one of the best rookie receiver seasons in a long time. Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith in the division again with the Eagles, Kadarius Toney in the division with the Giants, and Rashad Bateman. So, it's kind of just a big cluster of names where I don't think there's one that jumps out more than the other as far as like, man, you needed Amari Cooper, but you, you sort of love to have that guy. And so you did get four pretty good years out of him. And you know, I think the overarching thought from Cowboys fans is that they just wish there would be a fifth year coming up. But nonetheless, you, you got some compensation from Cleveland. And that's kind of a step in the right direction for this team in terms of saying that they're going to be putting a player out there in the open market, but still being able to get compensation. So that was kind of good to see, even though, you know, it's a late round pick that might not amount to much. In terms of touchdowns uh, among those receivers, the only one who outpaced Cooper was uh, DK Metcalf. He had 29 touchdown catches to Cooper's 27. So, to me, that that's really kind of where you'd have to look in terms of production. But the thing was, when they made that deal, they were doing it to provide a spark to infuse life in that struggling offense. And they made the deal, and then they had some good fortune, and they, um, after falling to three and five, which incidentally... They lost the first game Cooper was with the Cowboys, but uh, they go, you know, seven and one down the stretch. That was a Monday game against the Titans, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and it was Jason Witten's homecoming. Incidentally, it was also November the 5th, uh, exactly a year after Romo had his homecoming with the Cowboys-Chiefs game. Anyway. Um, and the Chiefs won that game as well. So. Oh, no. they Dallas won well, it. No, but but I, the reason I just said that I thought they lost because the first play that came to mind was the Tyree kill play before the half. That was that game, right? And right, the Hill Mary. Yeah, the Hill Mary. That's not the name. They should have lost it. So that play came up, and I was like, "Man, there's no way they won that game because they gave up that." But yes, they did overcome the Hill Mary and and uh, and won that game. Thanks for correcting it. Yeah, and and again, um, not to go back and forth, but that 2017 season, every game was during that particular stretch was. Well, Zeke suspended, and then on Friday, well, Judge overruled. Yeah, that, that was insanity. <laughs> And that's basically what happened. Um, I was bringing like but, I was bringing like law students onto my college radio show to break the, that thing down. I'm like, you you need to answer these questions because my me and my co-hosts are just football junkies that like to watch tape and watch football. Man, you know we're not qualified to cover this, and no one told us we had to cover it. I just wanted to because it was a cowboy story, but we needed to, we needed some third voices to post through that, and then even still, it got very convoluted. So. Yeah, I, I hate it when real life mixes with uh, football like that. But nevertheless, um, the business of pro football dictated that the Cowboys trade for Amari Cooper in 2018. They did. He helped. And uh, they got four. I, w- I would say if you looked at him in terms of a draft pick, I, I think it was successful on that front. Um in terms of where that pick ended up. Now, people use, well, Dallas, it was 27th, and Oakland took Jonathan Abram. I think the best way to look at that particular pick would be if Dallas finished 7-9 and nine because that their winning percentage when they were 3-4 and four is comparable to a 7-9 and nine finish. And let's go ahead and say that they would have been swept by Washington on Thanksgiving. How ignominious would that have been? So you're looking at 15th overall. Now, I'm going to go ahead and throw some names out here, Sean. And you tell me if they, if you would have taken them over Amari Cooper in the past four years. I'm not going to say Dwayne Haskins, who... Washington picked at 15. I think that's obvious. But at number 16, Carolina goes with defensive end Brian Burns. Would you have taken him over Amari Cooper? No, but we had that discussion last week in terms of defensive end. Uh, we talked about this when we interviewed Zeke Fikasi as well. You know, defensive end is a position that really scares me in terms of you, you better not count on these guys to make an impact in year one. And, you know, Cooper was the guy who was expected to make an impact right away, and he did that. So, yeah, defensive end Brian Burns, yeah, it doesn't move the needle for me. Okay. Um, this one doesn't really move the needle for me. Dexter Lawrence, defensive tackle to the Giants at 17th overall. Um, yeah, it's one Jared. of those the Cowboys want to take in him anyway type of players, right? You know, big uh, run-stuffing type of tackle. He's been a good player there for the Giants, and I know there's a lot of hope around that team right now in terms of how to get to build that roster, and he's a guy they can build around up front. But, yeah, nonetheless, uh, wasn't meant to be for him in Dallas, of course. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, center, he went to 
Minnesota at 18. Jeffrey Simmons, 19th overall defensive tackle to the Titans. Yeah, another good player there. Tennessee's defense has been really stout these past couple of seasons, but you, know, you, you have to keep coming back to the fact that just how much the Cowboys needed Amari Cooper shouldn't be a mystery to Cowboys fans. I think that's still very fresh in our collective mind in terms of never wanting to go to that point again. And it's also fresh in our minds because, you know, we're knocking on the glass of the stars saying, hey, you know, remember when you guys did things besides just draft players and you could trade and sign bigger name free agents? Because sometimes those guys make an impact like Cooper had too. So, you know, maybe they can do more of that, right? And not have us talking about past history with what they got out of a player they traded for, but, you know, go get some other players in this thing, right? And then finally, as far as I'm concerned, 20th overall to the Denver Broncos, Noah Fant. Would Dallas have used the 15th overall pick on Noah Fant? Uh, I mean, the easy answer is to lean towards no, right? I mean, I don't want to spoil all the fun. I feel like I said no to all of these, right? But it's easier to only know than yes in that case. Noah Fant's a great player and, you know, they definitely could have considered him in that spot there, but yeah, I would lean towards uh, the Cowboys going a different direction. Yeah, and then of course Darnell Savage, 21st overall of the Packers. No way Dallas uses a first-round pick on a on a uh, safety. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, Savage was one of those picks. You know, certain players just like it feels right when they get drafted immediately by a certain team, whether it's like the uniform colors or something as arbitrary as that, or or, of course, much more meaningful, you know, the scheme fit and the coaches are going to be working with. But I felt like Savage was a pick where you had all of that with Green Bay. Like, it just felt right that he uh, was going to go to the Packers there and he's been able to stick on that roster. All right. Well, that's, uh, that, that's a great way to look back at what, may have happened if Dallas didn't do the Amari Cooper trade. Yeah, so good luck to Amari in Cleveland, and it'll be his first uh, team where he's consistently playing in cold weather, so we know that might be a bit of a concern for him. For sure, for sure. Well, the Cowboys, they're looking to add some guys that will play in the friendly confines of Jerry World at AT AT&T Stadium. The sunny Uh, confines. But in doing so... They've got to go through free agency, which is already upon us. Uh, Sean, let's go ahead and take a look at some best case and worst case scenarios for free agency. What are some best case scenarios for you? So this is going to sound a bit like I'm just, you know, being paid off by Jerry or Steven, right, almost. But to me, I think, Best case scenario, and this is a little bit of a gloomy way to put this, but best case scenario is that you get, you know, given no cap crunch and all that, of course, right? You know, we can't just make this unrealistic and go, oh, best case scenario is they create cap space out of nowhere, sign everybody and become the Rams. Well, duh, but, you know, welcome to professional football. None of those things are going to happen. They can do more with the cap than they're kind of adding on in terms of using it as a crutch to not add certain talent, but that's a different conversation. But I think getting a similar class to what you had last year is what I'm getting at in terms of it's realistic and it's in line with what this team has done the past couple couple of seasons, not just last year. And last year's free agent class really helped this team. You know, there were no stars out there, but I'll give you the names. And 
you know, tell me how many of these guys you'd like to have back, plus outside free agents that are similar to them, and how much better this roster might be if you really got if you really got a full list like this. It's guys like Keanu Neal, Terrell Bassam, Jaron Coase, Carlos Watkins, CJ Goodwin, Brent Urban, DeMonte Casey, and then you you know, sticking with the mantra of we like our guys and we want to sign our own. You also got Jordan Lewis back that offseason and you got the Dak Prescott deal done. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Now, what gets tricky is here's the five names that are free agents again already from that class this year. Neil, Coase, Watkins, Urban, and Casey. So you're doubled up at a couple positions there, which could stretch you really thin. The market could get out of hand and cost you too much. Now you need to try to hit again on more outside players and to fit the scheme, and it only gets harder you know, the more you stretch this thing thin. So I think the 2021 offseason was kind of a slight model in terms of what you should be looking for this offseason. And then you just hope you hit on these deaf guys and you hope that they can contribute the same way they did. But, of course, there's a couple other outside names that you'd like to have as well. Yeah, and I think that's where the frustration is with Cowboys fans when it comes to free agency is they know they're not going to have – any of the outside names, as I use the comparison of, uh, I mean, there's so many comparisons. There's the Christmas comparison with the socks, and you see your cousins, they get to open toys on Christmas uh, when you go to in, with the grandparents. Or I, it's like when you pass, when you go down the boulevard and you see all of the fast food places, and you ask your mom, hey, can we? go there I'd like a burger and she says well I can make you one at home and it's bread just regular bread Mm -hmm. and a grilled hand patty not even 
you know, you know what I mean? Like not even circular. It's just like a sugar cookie in terms of shape. This is episode uh, seven, and I haven't asked you this yet, so I need to ask now. But is there a Whataburger in Arkansas? I feel like I should notice. I don't. So now I need. Yeah, there, there is. Okay, good. Uh, actually, yeah, the one nearest to me is forty-five minutes away. Okay, so I, so kind of yes and no as you answer, but I just didn't know if it was a gray area or not, or, uh, because I know like obviously how much pride Texas takes in having it, and I didn't have anyone any water burger anywhere close in New Jersey, of course. So now I'm much closer, and I have one here uh, in the Austin area. There's plenty, but I didn't know if it was something you could experience in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, it because uh, there are a lot of DFW transplants, I would say, uh, that live in northwest Arkansas. It's almost like an exclave, in my opinion, of DFW, northwest Arkansas, uh, around the university campus. And uh, anyway, so yeah, you can get your Whataburger fix there, but that's what Cowboys free agency is like. Is like, hey, can we get have a patty melt? And your mom says, no, I can make you one at home. And then <laughs> it's it's uh, re-signing Malik Turner. And I think that's where the frustration is for Cowboys fans. Noah is, Brown. Yeah, they, you know, the, and then they, the brass has the gall to say that they made a free agent signing when they re-signed their own guys. And that's where I think the frustration comes in. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, if you can't get deals done with some of the guys that helped you out, helped you out last year and in turn helped their own market as they're about to hit free agency again, then you're looking for more outside names. And But it's also, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel for those names and seeing if Dan Quinn can pull a rabbit out of his hat and fit it all in if you're talking about defensive guys or you know, even across the way, Cowan Moore, you know, what can he do to elevate the game of, you know, a bottom of the free agent market receiver or, a tight end or running back or an offensive lineman, any of that. So it's a tough way to project this team to get any better if that's how they're going to operate. And it's exactly how it seems like they're going to, to operate. And we've seen this before. And of course, Mark, we also know we've seen typically the pattern is the year after the Cowboys are very good. And it's hard to call Astros team very good in hindsight now because it's a very hollow record that they put up at 12 and five, just to lose in the first round. But nonetheless, 12-5 and five is a good season. Go lost in the first round, and now we know usually what happens with the Cowboys next is a season where you're not even anywhere close to 12 wins. So, Yeah, a, a, uh, the Eagles, I would think, would be the only team that could really challenge them in terms of uh, being, a, being able to knock them out of uh, winning the NFC East. I think the Giants are a year away. But, you know, Washington, if they could fix their quarterback situation, they would be problematic. But I think the best-case scenario for Dallas, free agency-wise, is Cedric Wilson comes back. Uh, Randy Gregory comes back. And they get Bobby Wagner because now you've taken care of now Michael Parsons is freed up to be more of a utility player because now you have your linebacker as well. That's the best case scenario for me for Dallas. I think fans would really obviously love the Bobby Wagner signing because it would be a retail signing. 
that they'd get excited about. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Randy Gregory. You know, you studied it the NFL draft for long enough like I have and you, you kind of attach yourself to certain philosophies and certain ways of thinking and you can get proven wrong and adjust these things. You should always be open to adjusting and learning new things. But you know, I think one of the things that me personally that I'm tying myself to with when it comes to you know preconceived notions coming into the draft is just to not beyond the top edge talent, you know, the guys who go one or two even, you know, and in this class, there'll be guys like Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, think of like a Miles Garrett. Besides those types of players, it's just really not smart to trust these defensive ends to contribute early on. And that's exactly what the Cowboys will need if they can't get a deal done with Gregory. And he, of course, knows that. And he knows what his production was last year. So there's some leverage there. And, and then the Cowboys will say there's also the idea that he should show loyalty or whatever and all that jazz. But you know, nonetheless, these late first, early second round defensive ends, not saying that none of them ever turn into good players. Of course, that's not true, or that you can't develop players, or even that Dan Quinn's not the guy that you don't want developing them. You know, I do tr- trust Dan Quinn to elevate you know, whatever talent he brings in from both last season now and this upcoming draft. But nonetheless, you don't want to be pigeonholed to have to take a defensive end. I think you know, just for me, looking at, looking at enough of these players in the draft, that's one of the easiest ways that you get to set yourself up for disappointment is uh, one of these pass rushers not being able to really do anything for you in those first couple games of the season or first half of the season even. Yeah, and that's why I think bringing Gregory back would be great because he's at that age where pass rushers, it's really about 29, 30 years old is when they still have some physical talent uh, old man strength, whatever you want to call it, and then they they have they've seen enough of the game to know how to use their talent, and they put it all together. We saw that with Robert Quinn. He was he got eleven and a half sacks first time since his Pro Bowl season of twenty fourteen, and he did it in twenty nineteen in his lone season with the Cowboys, and he was twenty nine years old. And then he had a great year. Uh, this past year with Chicago, 18 and a half sacks. But I think that's where Gregory is in his career is he's at a point where he's putting it all together. It's coming together mentally and physically, and it would be nice if Dallas could have year two of an un, uh, of a completely undistracted uh, Randy Gregory. So that's why I think it would be the best case scenario if he came back uh, along with, you know, Cedric Wilson and then Bobby Wagner. I think worst case scenario does involve Randy Gregory in that he gets away. Dallas also overpays for a safety that just, you know, is not J. Ron Curse. Um, or if they, uh, maybe not even overpay, but if they bring back um, KZ and act like, well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we like our yeah. guys. And you got Malik Cook and possibly work out a deal with as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, if Dallas goofs up the compensatory pick formula, that's what I think the worst-case scenario for the Cowboys free agency is. Yeah, one of the things that comes down to with Gregory, and you mentioned the physical traits and the skill and being able to refine this game as a pass rusher and 
show some consistency for the first time in a while, and that's all very true. And I do think it's sustainable and something that you want back on this team, of course. You need difference makers on the field for this team right now. You know, without Amari Cooper, you just lost one, I think. And, of course, there's a whole, you know, everybody has pro football reference, right? You can all go pull up his game logs and show me all the games where he did next to nothing, you know, the two catches for 20 yards or zero catches or even the games where his snap count is so low because he went out there for a couple of snaps and then came out injured. And there's no denying that those games happen, of course, and they exist. And the Cowboys probably talked about that when they realized it was time to move on. But nonetheless, he was a difference maker out there on the field. He dictated coverage. He made off script plays. He was a guy Dak Prescott looked for. All of that is a difference maker. And now you have a severe lack of that on, I think, both sides of the ball um, until you get some free agents and some draft picks in here. And Gregory is one of those guys from a key position, defensive end. It's one of the most important, of course. And he's a guy that can go get the quarterback, and that's invaluable. And the Cowboys might not have the cap space to pay him like he's just invaluable. And, you know, here's a blank check to sign. But nonetheless, it'll be really interesting to see what that negotiation comes down to because the Cowboys don't want to let him get away. Yeah, they don't want to let him get away. Um, But in some of the guys that they are – letting get away i think they're doing it because like take lyle collins for example they're looking to release or trade him why would you do that when jerry said last season that he was the enforcer on the offensive line and really talked him up and stuff uh i think that dallas with some of the guys they're letting get away or shooing away they have younger players on the roster that they think are going to take a step in 2022 they could either be rookies or they could just be guys they they've been stashing on the practice squad who are some of these guys that you think will step up because of the free agency uh moves dallas has not made it just about the whole draft class all last year almost desperately needs to step up besides parsons right and Parsons, just medical-wise, could even take a step just because it came out after the year that he was playing through some uh, through a bit of a knee injury, right? So even then, you know, it's crazy to think we could see a better Parsons and he has a year in Dan Quinn's system under his belt and all that. But nonetheless, that might be the case with him. But then everybody that was selected after him, if you don't get a step up from it, this is going to go down to, you know, really a historically bad Cowboys draft class outside of Parsons. So... You can list off all of those names and then maybe a guy like Saul McKean at tight ends because the tight end death chart is so barren after the Blake Jarwin injury and then release news. So you'll lose Jarwin, you have Saltz, and McKean's a guy that is going to have every chance in the world to get reps and develop that chemistry with Prescott where, you know, the same way Saltz did, the same way Jarwin was doing when he saw the field. So I don't see a reason why McKean can't potentially be one of those guys in the mix there. Uh, Josh Ball and Matt Farniak are the names that I look at, though, and those are from the draft class I'll ask you, of course. And I already mentioned how offensive line, there's a clear path to being the best option at 24 and getting that immediate impact that we've all been looking for and feeling good enough about your roster to pull the trigger on a lineman because you don't necessarily need anything else besides that and getting Dak Prescott protected, all of that is you know is the reason why you consider alignment at 24 overall 
and ball and Farniak don't change that equation in the slightest. But you need depth, of course, and you might need more than one starter if you move on from college. You know, even a great player at 24 can only play one spot. So that's why I haven't understood this move on from college news. But Ball is a guy that's in their program now that can always develop, you know, think of like maybe a Terrence Steele type uh, career arc where he can be a serviceable player. And if Farniak actually did see the field a bit this past season uh, in that Week 17 game against the Eagles and, you know, had some flashes of, you know, Big Ten offensive linemen playing some strength, the point of contact stuff is good with him, good hand play, center of gravity, all of that uh, are things that they can develop when it comes to Farniak as an interior option. And is he going to be the guy to replace Biotis or Connor Williams when if he departs in free agency, all of that is on the table for some of these these uh, offensive linemen for the Cowboys as they shuffle their, uh, their front five. Yeah, and I think that that's a good point. Farniak, he's taking over, not taking over, but competing for that left guard spot with, you figure, Connor McGovern. Um, then you have Josh Ball, who's competing for that swing tackle spot because if you get rid of Collins, then that you know well, Terrence Steele goes to the right side. If they obviously this is going to happen, Leighton Vander Esch, if he goes, then Jabril Cox. That's an opportunity for him to take over and play beside Micah Parsons. Um, you mentioned McKeon. That's there's an opportunity for him because even with Dalton Schultz coming back under the franchise tag, you're still pretty thin at that position. And I think it'll be telling what they do in free agency because that's how Dallas does. They shore up with the free agency and then they go try to find the future in the draft at certain positions. So that's so with McKeon, then uh, what about, Semi Fehoko, do you think that they saw a little something in him and that they think he could be the next uh, Malik Turner this year at a minimum, Cedric Wilson at best? I'll tell you, I mean, I liked Fehoko a little bit coming out of college. It was Stanford, and he's active with some of the fans on social media. All that is great. He's working hard to try to have a role on this team and you know, I wish him all the best. But what's working against him, I'll tell you, is – you know, what you just lost to from Murray Cooper is a lot of things, of course, but the biggest thing is speed and that change of direction, that suddenness. And unfortunately for, for Hoker, that's just not really a part of his game right now. So, you know, that's what the Cowboys are going to be looking for in terms of, you know, Lamb has that speed for you, gallops more of the possession, catch it at the sticks type of guy who can take the top off a of defense if they're not expecting it. But you can't keep playing offense in, the, you know, in kind of these small boxes that the Cowboys do. It's hurt their run game and the offensive line is part of the reason for that as well. But we just talked about you know, how they can soar up the line and then it's time for these receivers to go make plays. And yeah, Fahoko could have a role in there, of course, because he's a name that's still here and that's why people are talking about him the way that we are. But I just don't see the traits necessarily lining up with you know exactly what the Cowboys need at the position right now. But it's hard to say the direction they plan on going at the position because things aren't soared up and there was some 12 hour talk about maybe even being able to keep Amari Cooper. So even that was on the table for the Cowboys, but it didn't happen. So that's why, you know, a guy like Fajoko uh, is going to get his opportunity. And 
could be best in the slot, where, of course, C.D. Lamb was best in the slot when he first started his Cowboys career, but now he's all but locked in to be one of the outside starters. What you could see with Fehoko is if he has a good camp, training camp, but like you said, he doesn't really have a place in the um, – I said camp and training camp. I meant training camp and preseason, but he just doesn't fit what Dallas is doing schematically. Maybe they trade him at uh, when they're paring down to their 53-man roster at the end of preseason. That might be something – you know, optimistically that could happen with Fehoko. But just really, when you look at the Cowboys, it's it's always this in free agency. I'm old enough to remember, Sean, <laughs> when the Cowboys used to go out and get Terrell Owens in free agency when they would uh, trade Joey Galloway for Keyshawn Johnson, when they would make big splashes in free agency. And it was like, after it's like the last for really uh, free agency with splashes was 2012 when they got Brandon Carr. And ever since then, it's just been hitting the second wave and signing. We like our guys. So do you think, and I know it's easy to ask this, just, you know, relatively speaking, will the Cowboys ever be big players in free agency again? But I mean this when you consider that they had Dak Prescott under uh, on a rookie contract and they still were so frugal with the, with the salary cap space and everything. I mean, do you think that if they had $200 million in salary cap space that the Cowboys would be frugal? I mean, are they ever going to be big players in free agency again? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, of course, the the direction the team is going is to, you know, hand the reins here down the line to Stephen Jones, and we have a body of work to go off of with Stephen Jones. We're not, you know, projecting much when we say he's not going to be a big player in free agency because he hasn't. So that's the easy answer would be, you know, no, I don't see them being big players in free agency. Yeah, I kind of set this up a little – let me set it up a different way. Back in the 90s when Jerry was making all those splashes and everything, the NFL was building by depth in the draft. Now Dallas is doing the depth thing, and Zang Will McClay runs the show and gets the talent, which he does in the draft, does a good job of it. But then you see teams like the Rams, and you see other teams right. that, that go out and get the premier veteran talent. It's So that's what I mean is, is – is Dallas just always going to do this, or are they going to catch up to the league? Well, I think yeah, you you hope you, and it's going to sound, I guess, weird. So I, I don't think hope's the right word, but nonetheless, I think one of these NFC East teams catching you, not just in the standings, but just as far as roster building. And you, know, if one of these teams comes around, and it's like, whoa, you know, why are we spending so much time talking about the Cowboys out there in the East? Like they've wasted every chance they get, even when they do win the division. Have you noticed what the Giants or the Eagles or Washington is doing? And I think the Giants are, or the Eagles are probably the closest of the two. They, uh, then the Cowboys would take that long look and, and started changing their approach. You know, The Giants have a whole new front office staff, and it came over from Buffalo, who quickly built one of the best rosters in the NFL and contended over in the AFC there against the Chiefs. So... You know, it's not inconceivable that 
the Giants could really get a lot better in a very short period of time here and have the Cowboys looking at this thing like, you know, the Cowboys love to try to sell us on, oh, but look how much better in the division we were. That's always the first goal every year. Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl before, and you win you win Super Bowls by winning your division. Okay, well, you know, that doesn't happen when you when you win the NFC East. So what's gonna what's it gonna take to make that happen? Of course you wanna keep winning the East, but it's only gonna get harder. Teams don't stay complacent for very long. And you certainly haven't seen the Giants or the Eagles be complacent. So yeah, I think your your pessimistic view of this is that you almost kind of in a weird way want one of those teams to get on Dallas's tail a little bit and light a fire under them to the point where they build up their roster through all three avenues and play acquisitions 365, all of that, right? You know, let's go see the Giants make some big trade or make a big free agent signing and draft well. And that's the team that hasn't drafted well. So if they start drafting well and they do all of that, then yeah, they're going to be right on your tails and coming into AT&T Stadium and playing a lot better than they have in those recent games. Or you're going to go to Philly and struggle a little bit. So these are things that you know would make the Cowboys uh, kind of have to fall back on what they've tried to sell us on recently, which is our divisional record's been so good, and even going back to Jason Garrett was so good against the NFC East because of the way they scout and all that, and the familiarity, and having a roster that's built for the draft and developed together. But there's going to be a point where that's not good enough, and we don't know at all when that could be. The NFL is what it is because we don't know, you know how these teams are going to line up, but if I had to pick today, of course, I think the Cowboys still win the NFC East next season, but that that, that could change, and you know, and then beyond the next season, you know, which anybody's guess. I I think the time could come when Dallas does spend in free agency again, but it it'll have to be the the safe middle of the road thing to do, you know what I mean? Um, in order for Stephen Jones, I think to do that. Uh, if, if it's a safe bet, if it's uh, not driving across the water, I think that he'll, I think that you could see them start to go back that way. But that's what's frustrating for Cowboys fans is you're on the precipice and you need to make that bold move and they just don't do it because they're playing for the future. And uh, the as... As what as is the case, whether you're Troy Aikman or Tony Romo, sometimes your future's all used up. And if they have that happen with Dak Prescott, I mean, then they'll really have wasted um, 30 years doing who knows what. Yeah, it's a real fear right now. And, you know, how is Dak Prescott going to be looked at in terms of what would this team look like without him type of deal, right? You know, we know with Romo, it, it wasn't pretty because every time he was off the field with an injury, it was it was so much of a struggle and the backup QB situation wasn't nearly what it needed to be. But also the rest of the roster, you really just started to feel how much Romo was making up for the lack of talent all around it. And they're trying to get, desperately get to that point with Dak, with Dak Prescott where that's not the case and they have talent around him, but... All we've been talking about since the 49ers loss is why they can't keep talent. And it's not, from our perspective, why they can't keep it. We're giving you the news from straight from the team's source, you know, Stephen Jones and all of them, about why they're telling us why they don't think they can keep 
talent in place. Uh, but nonetheless, they'll hype up their own guys, those middle of the road guys that you mentioned, and tell us that Malik Turner is better than he really is, or any of those types of things. So that's why they need to consider that next step up in free agency because it's exactly what the best teams that are that are the good teams year in and year out are doing. You know, look at Tampa Bay. They just got the news that Tom Brady's coming back. You think they're not going to go out and try to flex the cap every possible way they can and do what they did when Brady took them to the Super Bowl and go get some more names? Absolutely they are. And Green Bay, you know, they took the Cowboys' approach of signing their own, but they did it in such a big way. You know, they they were up against the cap, but they still got Rodgers and Devontae Adams back. And there's two teams I've already mentioned, you know, on this show here previously because – that's how it's shaping up in terms of the uh, preseason picks for contenders in the NFC. But the Cowboys are firmly just not approaching this offseason anywhere close to how these teams are doing it. You know, the Rams haven't made any moves yet, but they're the defending champs and they're known for this now as far as, you know, kind of coming out of nowhere to make their move. And you can expect that. Or you can expect them to, you know, kind of sit back on their hands a little bit more with the understanding, of course, that they won the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So... That's something the Cowboys haven't been able to do, uh, to say the absolute least, right? Yeah, and like I said, I think that's what frustrates fans is they did it in 2018. They said, all right, you know, we got a problem, and they got Amari Cooper, and it worked. And then in the 2019 uh, trade deadline, they figured Jamal Adams, which turned out to be a bust for Seattle, but you just figured that – they were just going to make a move. They were going to do the thing and push themselves over the top, and 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 it just doesn't happen. So that's why it's all up to Will McClay in the draft and to just replicate the Dirty Dozen every year to give Dallas a shot at winning a playoff game. And with that said, let's go ahead and take a look at the Cowboys' birthdays for this week. Sean, um, <clears throat> there were... Three that I pulled out, and the first one is on Tuesday, um, March the 15th, and it's Tavon Austin, again, one of those uh, second-wave free agency splashes that the Cowboys made. He turns 32 years old. He played with Dallas from 2018 to 2019, and he was going to be that vaunted web back, Sean. Right. The web back. Yeah, that was the Scott Linehan quote. And then was it also him that said something along the lines of in visiting, I think it was anywhere from like 12 to 15 touches. And it was a slow offseason news day when that quote came out. So we all just lost our minds about it for no reason because we're all like, that doesn't make sense. That that can't happen. And, of course, it didn't happen. And even when he did get his touches, uh, he didn't really make the most of them. And you know, the Cowboys never really found a way to – make him an effective player. I do remember that long touchdown he had against, I think, maybe the Giants. Uh, like, yeah, it was week two, yeah. On the first play of the game, just because, you know, so, again, uh, like we've talked about, I know so many Giants fans from being from that area. So I remember that that spark uh, was probably the highlight of his entire time with the Cowboys, if we're being honest about it. So nonetheless, the web back never worked out for a variety of reasons. No, it did not. On Friday, uh, Travis Frederick, on March the 18th, he turns 31 years old, and you just can't say enough great things about Travis Frederick, who was here from 2013 to 2019. 
Absolutely. Part of the great wall, as good of a person as he was a player by all reports and, you know, did things the right way in terms of being able to exit the game on his own terms. That's very important in today's NFL. So to have him there at center right next to Zach Martin to his right and, uh, you know, Tyron Smith out there and then kind of a rotation at left guard at times. But nonetheless, the great wall uh, wouldn't have been what it was with without Travis Frederick there at center. And I uh, I own a Zach Martin jersey because my last name is Martin, of course. And when you wear a Zach Martin jersey around at any point, you you, know, you have to be ready for offensive line talk. And, you know, the casual Cowboys fan might not be able to carry a conversation about offensive line. But nonetheless, when it comes up, I'm ready for it. Uh, so that's why I embrace wearing the Martin jersey. And so when I wore it during Frederick's playing days, it always seemed like the conversation would start with Martin because that was what was on the back of my shirt. And then we would end up talking about Frederick at some point. So, you know, those two kind of go together in terms of what they meant for the interior of the Cowboys offensive line. One of my favorite Martin memory, I mean, Frederick memories was in week six, um, week five actually, against the Houston Texans at AT AT&T Stadium uh, when the Texans came up with a fumble and the Texans defender was – Showing it, Frederick just batted it out of his hands. That was funny. There's there's a gif of that. If I get inspired enough, I will tweet the link to this podcast with the gif of that. Yeah, for sure. And you ought to do that uh, on your Twitter. Um, Then finally, I picked this one because it's a great name. uh, Celebrating the 86th birthday of Buzz Guy who was on the 1960 team. He played guard, and uh, that's on March 20th. That's Saturday. Buzz Guy. It's a cool name. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that that's cool. It's almost like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, that, that's actually the first thing I thought, too, but I was like, can I can I make a Lightyear reference? I know our editor, RJ Ochoa, has worked in some Cowboys slash Toy Story references before, so it's not unheard of, but nonetheless, I'm like, if he throws this to me right here, all I got is Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, those are your Cowboys' birthdays, and we're going to go ahead and get out of here. But before you do, you can find the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And be sure to listen to uh, First and Ten with Dave Sturcio, Tony Catalina, and Aiden Davis Another wonderful Monday show on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. And tomorrow night, you don't want to, well, Tuesday night, you don't want to miss it. It's the BTP roundtable, and you know that they're going to be talking about the about the Cowboys free agency, even though it's, uh, you know, still the tampering period. And uh, don't forget, folks, um, March 16th, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time. It's Happy New Year. So what's the streak at for bringing that up? Seven? Seven? I don't know. Uh, I didn't bring it up last week. I don't know if it came up last week. Yeah, okay. So you get off on that. Uh, So it's back to one now. Yep. We've had Baseball is back. Baseball saved itself. And so now we have a hit streak, a new hit streak. There you go. All right. We, We don't need to let this reference fall below the Mendoza line. I do want to add real quick as we're putting our little news and notes here at the end as a, I'm coming up on my first full year in Texas and later today, 
I am going to my first rodeo, and I'm very excited about that. In the uh, Austin rodeo, I was able to get tickets through a job of mine, and I'm going with uh, someone that spent their whole life here in Texas. So I'm sure it'll be nice to have that, you know, something to fall back on when it comes to that. But nonetheless, I feel like that's a big step when it comes to, uh, you know, transitioning here to Texas is to uh, attend a rodeo. It's something I've never done. I have a good friend of mine from home that's living out in Montana now. I told him I was going, and he said he's been to a Montana rodeo, but Texas feels like the place to be for a rodeo, so I can't wait to uh, report back next week for a few minutes about how that went. I can't wait either. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast, and next week we'll be talking about, we'll have a Cowboys free agency roundup and rodeo news from Sean. We do it all here on the network. Hey, it's the off season, but we still got two shows a day. It's a great network to uh, be listening. You know, to keep all these shows coexisting is an honor to uh, all the hosts that we have across the network that work really hard to make sure that all these shows sound different and we all have our own taste and flavor. And I think this show has really found that as well. So it's been a pleasure. All right. So there it is. 